Jace said it aptly. Really, it doesn't really matter your family. It doesn't matter who your mom or dad is. Well, that has some impact on you. Not like the impact Jesus Christ the righteous has. Yeah. He comes in and gives you joy. Comes in and gives you peace. I've seen him restore marriages. I've seen him heal the sick. Come on, somebody. Are you glad you know who Jesus is? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Grab your Bibles. Turn to Psalm 107. Brother, if I could get a little more monitor up here, just a tad. I don't want to blow everyone away, but amen. Psalm chapter number 107, 107. While you turn there, I honor your man of God, Brother Motes. Thank you so much for opening your pulpit to me. I honor you, sir. Sister Motes, I honor you. Such a tremendous uh, couple here doing the work of God in Weeches. And listen, y'all, they are faithful. Lesser man would have quit. That's okay. That's all right. Lesser man would have quit. They've been faithful. Psalm 107, I honor all the TBC students here. Get, love them dearly and deeply. I don't know if they're as nervous as I am, but I give them honor today. Psalm 107, verse number one. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Who what he hath redeemed out of the hand of the enemy. And gather them out of the lands from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. Oh, give thanks. Oh, give thanks. This morning I'm going to preach shortly, I promise, from the very simple subject entitled, Delivered Out of Distress. Delivered out of distress. Father, we love you, Lord. We're grateful and we are thankful for the presence of God we already feel in the building I pray, Jesus, the anointing of the Holy Ghost would rest and touch and cover every heart, every life. I pray, Jesus, that every soul would make a turn toward you today. Jesus, for those who have been going in the wrong direction, I pray here in this building that they could do an about face, and I pray that they would face you, O God. For the weary soul that's been battling, I pray, Jesus, that you would be their source of strength, and I pray, God, that you touch and cover every life. In the name of Jesus, and all of God's people said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. Please be seated. Amen. Delivered out of distress. There are a lot of occasions for celebration. We celebrate a lot of things in life. We really celebrate a lot of our greatest joys. We celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and graduations, baby dedications, we celebrate just about everything we can celebrate individually, familially. Also, as a nation, we have times of celebration that are key to our nation's history and moments that are significant to remember, particular achievements or victories. And that's exactly what chapter, Psalm chapter 107 is about. It is a joyous celebration of the people of God. You see, it was after 70 years in Babylonian captivity that God moved about to the deliverance of the nation of Israel. Now watch, most of the Jews decided to stay in Babylon, but there was 400, or excuse me, 42,360 that continued to believe that God's promise was not Babylon. 
I'm already preaching. There was 42,000 that believed that God's promise was on a foreign land, but they chose to believe that God was bringing them back to Jerusalem. They were looking for a city that was not a part of their world, friends. Can you be thankful today that we are looking for a city? It's called the New Jerusalem. We're looking for that place somewhere beyond the blue. Is anybody excited about heaven in the building? You see, some of you have been in captivity, and then God sets you free, and then you decided to say, this world is not my home. I am just passing through. You see, Brother Moses, there's a group here in Weeches. Y'all decided that Babylon, this place is not my home while I am thankful for America. Friends, I am a citizen of another country. I'm a citizen of heaven. And friends, my name is written down in glory. Amen. And so when you consider Psalm 107, the the Psalm's introduction makes a little more sense knowing that these Jews had just returned home. Hallelujah. They just returned home after seven decades in captivity. Friends, can you imagine the celebration when they walked through Jerusalem knowing they were finally home? Friends, that's how heaven's going to be. That day when you open your eyes and you're seeing glory, oh, what a day. That old song says of rejoicing, it will be when we all. When we all see Jesus, friends, some of their first words when they entered the gates of Jerusalem were, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? For he is good. Why has he been good, friends? He delivered me out of bondage. He set my mind free. He set my feet on straight. Has there, is there anybody you've experienced sweet freedom that's only found in Jesus? I can only imagine, Brother Jace, why would they, as some of you are wondering without doubt, why would they be saying God is good? We were just in captivity for 70 years. Why would you say that God is good? If God was so good, couldn't he have not have stopped the captivity? Maybe so. But for whatever reason, God chose them. God chose for them to walk through the... <laughs> he chose for them to walk through Babylonian captivity. And I can just imagine some of them Israelites saying, God is good. Why? I used to be in chains. I used to be a slave, but today I am free, so oh, give thanks to the Lord. All right, it's okay. All right. It's, uh, it's fascinating. I, I, I'm, I've read Victor, Victor Frankl. He was an Austrian psychiatrist that lived through the Holocaust. Victor Frankl in his memoir, A Man's Search for Meaning. And if you've ever read it, it's a, it's a fascinating book. And I, I wrote, I highlighted one phrase. He said, after their camp was liberated, meaning after they were no longer in servitude or bondage to the Nazis, he said, we walked outside them camp gates. He said, our, our legs were so weak, we thought they'd buckle underneath our own weight. He said, but we limped on. 
Friends, sometimes this life is not always easy, but let me tell you, if all you can do is limp on into freedom, then you better do whatever it takes to make it to glory. Friends, life is short, death is short, but heaven is my home. So if all you can do is grab your cane and limp out into freedom, honey, you grab your cane and you limp into glory because this world is not my home. Oh, give thanks for the Lord is good. Can you give thanks to Jesus today? Has he been good to you? Hallelujah. You see, and it's those people. And we love to say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? Y'all probably heard that a million times. But it's in the context of freedom from Babylon that it is those people. It is those who the Lord redeemed from captivity. It's those who are to say how so good he's been. And here's what I found in a short 32 years on this planet. Got the Holy Ghost right before I turned 14. So here's what I found the last X number of years living for God. Everything seems a whole lot more tolerable when I remember the one who redeemed me. Everything seems a whole lot more easier to endure when I'm the one that says God has been so good to me. God has been so magnificent. So therefore, I should let the world know just how good God has been. Revelation says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. It's the Those of you who have been redeemed, you're supposed to be the ones telling the world just how good the Redeemer is. Therefore, before I run uh, complaining and grumbling and griping, if I will first lift my voice in a worship to the one who's redeemed me, it just seems that all my trouble seems to vanish before my eyes. Listen, though, it's not that our trouble disappears, but my perspective on my trouble changes when I look at the one who literally is holding my world in his hands. And friends, when I remember who it was that saved me from sin's grasps, whatever I face in the church is a million times better than whatever I face outside the church. You look skeptical. Let me prove it to you. Noah builds an ark. He goes inside the ark. The Lord shuts him in. It rains for a really long time. The earth starts to burst forth, and that ark starts to rise. Now inside Noah's ark, Brother Jace, there was a whole lot of stink. Now, 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 you're already missing it. See, some of y'all have pets, and they go to the bathroom in the house. You walk in, and you about fell over and fainted because of the stench. Yeah, Noah's ark was full of a whole lot of animals and a whole lot of stink. Uh, There are times that inside the ark, it got a little difficult, but everything was so much better in the ark than on the outside of the ark. See, friends, on the outside of the church, all there is is death and destruction, but in the ark, there is life. When you're in the church, friends, there is life and life more abundant. So it's those of us who are to say so. And why should we say so? Because it's us who have been redeemed. 
from the hand of the enemy. It's like God just reaches in there and he sets you free from addiction. He sets you free from disease. He sets you free from slavery. He sets you free from pornography. He sets you free from depression. He sets you free from anxiety. He sets you free from stinking thinking. Friends, are you thankful you've been set free from the hand and the bondage of sin. You see, friends, that's Psalm 107. It's a group of people who have been redeemed, who have been set free, and it's those people that were dancing, I'm sure, through the gates of Jerusalem saying, thank God he set me free from the hand of the enemy. And so when we in the church, we remember who it is that is our source of redemption. When we remember who it is, the one that set us and set us free and sanctified us, who turned our life around and placed our feet on solid ground, it's a whole lot easier to walk the walk of life when you realize you're not walking alone. Okay, so I'm gonna buckle down there for just half a second. When I was 12 years old, my mother was sentenced to three years in prison for identity theft and drugs. My dad was a drug addict. I was sleeping on my friend's couch at night crying and saying, God, would you change me? Friends, my worst day living for God. My worst day in freedom is so much better than any day I ever spent out there bound by sin and bound by a terrible life, friends. Let me tell you, there is nothing greater than those who have been redeemed from the hand of their enemy to say just how much they love the God that redeemed them. And so what's interesting is Psalm 107, it details four types of people that walked into Jerusalem's gates. It talks about their plight and how they overcame their plight. If you have your Bibles, we're going to stay in Psalm 107 for just a little bit this morning. Psalm 107, verse 4 and 5. I'm reading from the KJV, and I have a few verses in the ESV, but it's all just about the same. Psalm 107, verse number 4. They wondered... ESV says some wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. Another translation says it was a desert waste. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted in them. Now, wow, so this first category of person is the wanderer. It's those who may even be here today. Just like the Israelites, they wandered in a solitary way. They couldn't find that city. They were looking for it, but they were out there all by themselves. They were wandering. I wonder how many people, Pastor Moats, now not here in Weeches, because I'm sure y'all don't have problems here in Weeches. I'm, I'm certain of that. But I wonder how many people, even here today, you found yourself, you're still a part of that Jerusalem crowd that's going in, but you found yourself wandering in the wilderness, wondering, is there any place for me? Is there any place for me in the body? Is there any place for me in God's kingdom? Some of you are wandering through life going, God, is there anything, that, is there anywhere, any place I can go? At those times when you're wandering, 
you're wandering, looking for that, looking for a city, looking for that city. It's the wanderers that get hungry and thirsty looking for the city. But they, like sheep, as Isaiah said, have gone astray, turning to their own way. Now, while this is specifically speaking of the Israelites, I wonder how many here in Weeches you found yourself wandering, looking for your place, looking for hope, looking for that city, Longing for spiritual food for a river that quenches every thirst of your parched soul, friends. Let me tell you today, if you are a wanderer in the building in a solitary way, looking for a city, Psalm 107 gives you the antidote to your weary wandering. Verse number 6, it says, And the wanderer, they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And he what? He delivered them out of their distress. He led them forth by the right way that they may go to a city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his And for his wonderful works, the children of men. Why? For he satisfieth the longing soul, and he filleth the hungry soul with goodness. So if you're the weary wanderer today, looking for your place, saying, Lord, do I fit in in God's church? And he's saying, listen, come, come, cry to God in your distress. You see, that's the antidote for the wanderer. They cry to God. God hears them. He delivers them. And not only does he deliver them, he starts to lead them to that city. And when he leads them, y'all need to see the progression. When they cry, he delivers. When he delivers, he starts to lead. When he starts to lead, their hungry souls were fed and their parched souls receive water friends if you're the wanderer there is hope for your soul today y'all good y'all ready next Psalm 107 verse number 10 I may get a little tight right here and that's okay it's alright I'm comfortable Psalm 107 verse number 10 some sat in darkness this is, I'm reading the ESV and in the shadow of death prisoners this is interesting. They're prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. The second category of person is the rebellious. Yeah, it got quiet. It's easy to shout. I'm talking about the wanderers and those who have been redeemed. But Psalm 107 lets us know there were some rebellious Israelites. Their plight was directly tied to their abandonment of God's word and God's counsel. They were in afflictions two ways. They, or they were in prison in two ways. In affliction, that's pain, distress, suffering, and calamity. And they were in prison in irons. It's a literal bondage, chains, fetters, and the like. You see, the end result of rebellion is always bondage. I'll say that again. The end result of rebellion is always bondage. 
You've not experienced bondage until you start rebelling against God's word and God's counsel. And you'll really find out what true bondage is like. When you start saying, God, I don't need you. I don't need your word. And I certainly don't need your counsel. I'll do things my own way, friends. When you start rebelling and doing your own plan, your own will, your own thoughts, your own goals, it seems that every time when you start to rebel against God, God's saying, that's fine. If you want to do it your way, that's where bondage comes in, friends. Should I remind you of Jonah? Jonah, go to Nineveh. No, God. No, 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 because because those people can't be saved. Sister Wells, God help the church if we ever get to the point where we say those people can't be saved whether it be their socioeconomic background the color of their skin what type of clothes they wear God help us if we ever get to the point where we say those people can't be saved friends the church is for every person it's for every color it's for every language it's for every socioeconomic status friends the church is for you and it's for them but this was Jonah's problem is Jonah said surely those people can't be saved and God said fine Jonah if you want to try things your way you're going to suffer and when you suffer because of rebellion what does God do God takes Jonah into the belly of a whale or a big fish depending on your testament he gets swallowed Jonah doesn't want to listen now I know a little bit just a little bit about atmospheric pressure I do realize the the higher you go the pressure's less but the lower you go the pressure's more. Now, it would have to have been a pretty large fish to swallow Jonah whole. You know where the whales go? They don't hover around a thousand feet. They go to the deep. Jonah, you don't want to listen? Let's work on those ears a little bit. If you ever experienced pressure on your ears, you know it can be absolutely miserable. Friends, the end result of rebellion is always bondage. This is the story of the Israelites, but I wonder how many it's like how many that that's your story here today. You've experienced deliverance, you've witnessed miracles, but yet like the dog who returns to its vomit. All right, this is a. I got some stories. It's crazy. So we, I didn't. I never really understood this verse. That verse, Pastor Motes, that talks about dogs going back to their vomit. So we got a puppy. Uh, he's like six months old, something like that. And this is like four or five weeks ago. He's in the living room, and dude just throws up on the carpet. And I'm like, oh man. So I go to the into the kitchen, grabbing some paper towels and some cleaner. And by the time I got back. That dog had consumed all of its vomit. That's disgusting. Y'all get that graphic picture in your mind? But that's exactly what we do. God causes things to come out of us, and then we go right back to it. Friends, I, I would to God that, that that's been you today, that God has delivered you from the things. I would to God that you would not go back to what God's delivered you from, but rather I would to God that you would run to the feet of Jesus, not going back to bondage, not going back to what God delivered you from. Friends, not going back to the world, not going back to our rebellious life. Is there any hope for the rebellious? 
Thank you for asking. There is Psalm 107, verse number 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death. What? What? He broke their bands in thunder. Verse 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse number 16. For he hath broken the gates of brass, and he cut the bars of iron in sunder. So what's the hope for the rebellious? That they cry to God in their distress. They cry to God in their rebellion. And God, just like Jonah, spit Jonah up on the bank and he walked to Nineveh. That when we cry to God in the middle of our rebellion, that God hears us and God will bring us out of darkness and then break into our bands. Number three, you with me? Number three, Psalm 107, verse 17. I'm just going down the list. Psalm 107, 17. Some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities. Listen, listen, listen. Some were fools and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. Watch. They loathed. They loathed any kind of food. They drew near the gates of death. One possible explanation for the fool, both in Psalm 107 and elsewhere in Scripture, is that of a strongly self-willed man who takes no thought of guidance or control, but rather is consumed with devices and desires of his own heart. You guys ever wonder why this scripture says a fool hath said in his heart there is no God? Because it's that person who's strongly self-willed that says, I don't need God, nor do I need anyone else. That person is a fool, consumed with the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it was because of their life and their, their foolishness that it led them into deep sin and iniquity, which caused suffering and affliction to the point where they didn't even want to eat. Sis, get that verse back up there for me. Verse number 18. Now, I'm a bigger guy. I've, I've lost some weight, thank God. Uh, I'm a bigger guy, though. I have never, ever gotten to the point, ever. Now, it doesn't say they didn't want food. They abhorred it. They hated it. Friends, could it be that the foolish here today, now, not you, but the person next to you, could it be that the foolish here today are those who constantly say about the pastor, I don't want that word. I don't want that, mo- I don't want that meal. That word can't possibly be for me. 
And then not only do they say that, they say, well, I can go find it all out myself. I don't need anything, anyone else. And they start abhorring the word that God gives. And the friends, his word is life, it's bread, it's substance. So spiritually speaking, if we become self-willed, we lose our ability to take guidance, correction, and control from those who God has placed in our life and God himself. We end up like the fool in Psalm 107. We're not able to handle strong meat. We become malnourished in the spirit which leads us to a backslidden condition all the while sitting in the, with the Israelites hoping for freedom. Friends, let me tell you, if you are the fool here today, if you're the one who's saying, preacher, this message isn't for me. Pastor, that can't possibly be for me. I don't ever want to hear that again, friends. You better check your spirit and say, God, have I become self-willed where I am abhorring your own word? Is there any hope for the fool? Thank you for asking Psalm 107, verse number 17. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distress. Watch, watch, watch. We love this verse. I wonder how many times y'all have quoted this verse. And he sent his word and healed them. And delivered them out of their destruction. This verse is specifically referring to the fool two verses before. You see, friend, because it's the fool that needs spiritual healing so that they can turn back to God and God's word so that God can deliver them from out of their destruction. In verse 21, oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of them and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. There's one more. Can you go there with me? Psalm 107 verse 23. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunk man and are at their wit's end. Now, it's interesting because it doesn't sound like these particular people did anything wrong. But these are the storm-driven. These are the sailors. It appears that they're out on the sea seeing God's wonders. And the tempest rose, and they were staggering like drunk men. They were trying to catch their, their feet. And friends, that's how sometimes some of you are. You're doing God's work, and you're seeing God's miracles, and yet you are stormed, tossed. You see, sometimes launching out to see God's wonder and to see God's work doesn't mean that it's always smooth sailing. Some, listen, if you've ever been out on the ocean, there are big dips and there are big waves. It's so funny. Now, so air molecules have a lot of water in them, which is why turbulence behaves the same way as, uh, as an ocean. And uh, what's today? Today's Sunday. There we go. I get my days right. Friday, uh, me and my wife went to Conroe, and we did like a discovery flight, a little Cessna airplane. And so I'm up there, and I'm flying this plane. Now, again, the air and 
water behave the same way. And this dude is like dipping, and I'm, I'm like getting sick, and I'm fixing to throw up, and I'm like 2,000 feet in the air. Wasn't doing anything wrong. But I was tossed. And that's how some of it's like for us. It's not that you're sinning. You're not doing something wrong like the, like the wanderer, like the fool, like the rebellious. But you're storm-tossed. You're out here seemingly all by yourself wondering, God, do you really know where I am? There's souls. Some of you, you, you understand what I'm talking about. You live for God long enough that you experience storms and it's blowing you up and down and going, God, do you even know where I am? You see, friends, at times in this journey, it feels like stepping into the call and purpose of God is like stepping into the middle of a hurricane. But it's in those seasons that God is training and preparing and God is making you what he's calling you to be. So what is the storm tossed to do then? Psalm 107 verse 28 then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he bringeth them out of their distress. He calms the storm. He stills the waves. They are glad because of the quiet. Friends let me tell you if you're the storm tossed You're saying, God, I don't appear to be living in sin. But these waves are a little bit more than I can handle. Friends, the psalmist gives us a beautiful example of what it means to be storm-tossed, yet still maintain our faith, hallelujah, and our trust in God. Moments of our sojourn here on this earth, they surely are marked by misery, but every single time that wave hits and you feel like giving up, if you would cry to God in your distress, if you would cry to God in your trouble, he brings you out and he makes your storm calm. And it says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. So we have four conditions here today. We have the wanderer. Those of you who are looking for a sense of purpose, wondering if you fit in God's church, then there's the rebellious. Those who have willfully walked away from the word and counsel of God and God led you into captivity. Then there's the fool. The fool who is strongly self-willed, needing no guidance or control from God or God's man. And then there's the storm-tossed. Those of you who are out there doing God's will and God's work, yet it seems like things are coming against you. Each one of those, the antidote is the exact same. To cry to God in our trouble. And just like that 13-year-old little boy in Longview, Washington, on an orange couch in the middle of the hood, saying, God, would you change me? And God in moments, in moments, God changes you and transforms you. So wherever you found yourself today, there is one easy solution for your plight and your dilemma, to not sit silent. Let's stand together. Sis, if you can get Mark chapter number 6 for me. 
Mark chapter number 6. I want us to read this together because this is Mark chapter number 6 and I'll be at verse 45. Mark 6, 45. Let's read this together. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before into Bethsaida while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, come on, and while he sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. Verse Next, next verse. And when Eve was come, now listen, he sent, he, watch, 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 watch. He sent the disciples into the storm. That's all right. The ship was in the midst of the sea. He alone was on the land. And he saw, he saw them. He saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea. That's weird. Did y'all read that last, that last sentence? And it would have passed by them. Now, hold on. Leave that up there for me, Sister Cariana. Now, that's weird. He told them to get in the boat. He knew the storm was coming. And it appears he's going to just walk right by him. That's exactly what the verse says. That troubled me for a really long time because I couldn't understand it. Especially with what I know about the character and nature of God. And I began to think, Lord, why is this even in here? You really would have walked right by the storm tossed. Really. Next verse. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed to be a spirit. They. See, friends, God knows exactly where we are. He knows our plight and he knows our dilemma. And all he's wanting us to do is to cry out in our distress, to cry out in our wandering. This altar is open to cry out in our rebellion, to cry out in our foolishness, to cry out in our storm. And friends, he comes walking on the water and then he says, peace be still. He calms the wind. He calms the waves. So if you found yourself today, maybe you're the wanderer, maybe you're the fool, maybe you're the rebellious. This altar is open or maybe you're just the storm tossed saying, God, would you come walking all over my sea? Would you come this morning? Would you come this altar's open would you step out of your pew make your way down and say God I need you one more time in my life thank you for moving those of you who are moving God I need you one more time Lord here in the middle of my trial in the middle of my dilemma in the middle of my plight Lord I still trust in you in the middle of my sickness oh God here I am oh Lord don't pass me by